But let's look at the Word of God here this morning over in Galatians. We're going to be in the book, Galatians chapter 5. We ran, ran across the rules of chocolate, and some of you might be interested in this. If you've got melted chocolate all over your hands, you're eating too slowly. Chocolate-covered raisins, cherries, orange slices, and strawberries all count as fruit. So eat as many as you want. The problem, how to get two pounds of chocolate home from the store in a hot car. The solution, eat it in the parking lot. A nice box of chocolates can provide you total, your total daily intake of calories in one place. Isn't that handy? If you can't eat all your chocolate, it will keep in the freezer. But if you can't eat all your chocolate, what's wrong with you? What do we call equal amounts of dark chocolate and white chocolate? A balanced diet. Chocolate has many preservatives. Preservatives make you look younger. Put each chocolate at the top of your list of things to do today. That way at least you'll get one thing done. Well, it's a nice humorous set of rules, but sometimes we have adopted rules or adopted things in our life that are absolutely ridiculous, make no sense at all, but we'd rather live by them because they're easier. Aren't the rules of chocolate easier to live by than the actual rules? In Galatians chapter 5, we have some rules to live by. And as we continue in our series on faithfulness, we started last week looking at accessing the fruit, tapping into the fruit, laying up treasures for ourselves in heaven. In verse 1, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. The word there, stand fast, comes from the Greek word steko, and it means to stand firm, to persist, or to persevere. To stand firm, to persist, or to persevere. Well, he's saying stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. If you have to persevere, if you have to persist in that liberty, then things are going to try and come against you to pull you off of that, to get you to not stand on that anymore. So he first says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. We didn't stand there before, but we can stand there now. Christ has made us free in this. So stand fast. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Meaning that once before we were entangled with the yoke of bondage, but don't be entangled with it again. So what we have been made free from, we shouldn't get involved with again. But the liberty that we've been made free to is what we are to make our stand on. But there are things that keep trying to pull you from this, pull you down off of it. The word there, entangled, is from the Greek word, enhekel. And it means, that's actually a combination word. comes from two words joined together. The word echel means to, to hold. And the word en is a preposition denoting a fixed position, a place in time or state. A place, place in time or a state. So he's saying basically this, to hold in or to hold upon, or you could put in this word, to ensnare. So he's saying don't be held back into this, don't be ensnared, don't let something catch hold of you and entangle you with this again. How many of you ever wrapped up cords, extension cords? It seems like Christmas time, you're always bringing a whole lot of those out. Bringing out them extension cords. And, and it, no matter how well you put them away, or those Christmas lights, no matter how well you put them away, don't they seem to become entangled with each other? Don't they always seem to find a way to get themselves wrapped around things you didn't want it wrapped around? And you tried with everything that you could to make sure that that wouldn't happen again. But sure enough, there it goes. They're all entangled again. 
and then you got to get them untangled in order to make them useful. You are unuseful if you are entangled. Don't be entangled. Get rid of all that stuff. You've been freed from it, so stand fast in it. So what he is telling us here is that there is an attack, there is effort that you have to put out to make sure that you stand on the liberty. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law and have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Now we're not trying to get into all the details of this chapter. We're looking at some of the highlighted things, particularly some things here at the end. But here we're first off, we're brought into the area of standing. We need to make a stand in liberty. We've been brought to that place. God has set us on that place. And we need to make a stand on it. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Well, I thought we were standing. It says in verse 1, stand. Now he says in verse 7, you ran. Running is different from standing, isn't it? If you're running, you're not standing. Well, he's talking about something a little bit different here. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Well, we already talked about people who can hinder you. We talked about things that can hinder you. We talked about places that can hinder you. Get rid of the hindrances. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Well, before you're standing, you're standing to hold fast to something. God has set you free into liberty. Now you're running. You're pursuing the things that God has told you to pursue. You're going after the direction God has told you to go after. You ran well. Who hindered you? And don't people hinder you from doing the things that God has asked you to do? Don't we find that? This persuasion does not come from Him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. You get a little bit of bad doctrine in you. You get a little bit of a lie in you. You get a little bit of darkness in you and it just seems to permeate the whole thing. If you're making a batch of chocolate chip cookies and you got all the chocolate chips in there and all the brown sugar and all the other eggs and the butter and all that stuff is all added in and you're mixing it up and all of a sudden somebody picks something up off the floor and throws it in. Something black. And you don't know what it is. What do you think you're going to do? Are you going to just... Some people will just pick out that black thing if they can find it and, and keep on going. Some folks will spoon out all the area around that little black thing and other people will just get rid of the whole, the whole thing. But if you let that stay in there long enough, how many of you are going to keep it, uh, keep hanging on to it? There's a certain, you know, the five second rule. Some people it's a ten second rule. Some people get only up to thirty seconds or whatever it might be. But eventually we have a, we have a limit of how long something foreign can stay in our food. And let's not throw the whole thing away. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. When you're making bread, all you need is a little bit of leaven. And you put that in there and it permeates the whole thing. If you let false things get in you, if you let anything that attacks your liberty, if you let false doctrine, if you let lies, if you let these things get in, a little bit begins to permeate the whole thing. And that whole loaf is becomes a leavened loaf. Even though you just first off put it into a little bit. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I suffer persecution? Then this, then the offense of the cross has ceased. I would wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. For you, brethren, 
have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Again, he's going over the liberty part. You have been called to liberty, but don't let what is freedom for you be used against someone else. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's important for us to go out there and love folks and love others. We learned from the Word of God earlier that if you love those that are lovable, if you love those that are nice, if you love those that are kind to you, if you, if you do all these things to people that do it to you, what reward is there? Everybody does that. We have to get, get beyond that. I say then, walk in the Spirit. Well, first we're standing, then we're running, now we're walking. Well, the word here, I say then, walk in the Spirit, the word there for walk is from a Greek word, peripateo. And what it means is peri is the word for around. And the, the, the second half is for the, the word to, to, uh, to walk. So actually what this is meaning is to walk around or to order your behavior, to order your walking in a known area. That you have a certain area that you continually walk in. And because you're in that area so much, you become very familiar with that area. That area, that sphere that you are walking in, you know it really well. You can walk in that area blindfolded. How many of you around your house, you've walked around your house long enough that without the lights on at nighttime, you can walk around all the furniture. But you get into somebody else's house, you're not as able to do that. You're not as used to walking around that. But this word is talking about someone who is so used to walking in a certain sphere, in a certain area, that they know everything about it. They are very familiar with it. I like how Weiss translated this. But I say, through the instrument of the Spirit, habitually order your manner of life and you will in no wise execute the passionate desires of the evil nature. Habitually order your manner of life. Walk in the Spirit or habitually order your manner of life is what he's, he's putting out here. One expositor puts this note that it could be best that, that the word peripateo could be best explained by thinking of a person who has walked one path so habitually that if he would be able to walk that path blindfolded because it is his path, his fear, the place where he has habitually lived and functioned. If you had a path that you would walk down in a, down in a wood somewhere and you continually walked it all the time or always there, you could walk that even maybe blindfolded if you walked it enough. That's what he's saying. Walk in the Spirit. Walk there so much. Habitually order your behavior there so much that it becomes a normal state for you to walk in. Now, it's important for us to understand what he's saying there in order for us to get the rest of it. So, have this kind of walk down. Walk in the Spirit. But then he goes on. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. These are two contrary natures. There's a Spirit nature and the flesh nature. They're two contrary. If you walk according to the Spirit for a little while, then you walk according to the flesh for a little while, you're walking in, in contrary natures. You can't continually walk in contrary natures. It's, it, it just doesn't work. It, put it to you this way. If you all came here in a car, most of you came in here in a gasoline-powered car. What if you went out to the, to the uh, pump and you put in diesel? It's fuel. <laughs> now it's a di it has a different nature. You put diesel into a gasoline engine, it's not going to run. And you don't put gasoline into a diesel engine. You have to put the right kind of fuel in. You have been called to walk according to the Spirit. We have to walk and order our behavior 
in that way. Otherwise, we're walking in a contrary nature. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. They are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, con contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice or habitually order their behavior in these areas, who who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Not talking about dipping in, falling from your state every once in a while, so don't get confused on that. It's talking about people who just order their behavior, this is what they're going to do, this is where they're going to go, and don't really care too much about it. But here he's listed out the nature of the flesh. Well, we understand the nature of the flesh. But if we walk after these things, if these things become a part of us, they do so because we have walked in the sphere of the, of the flesh, of the flesh nature, which we're not to be doing. Is faithfulness the nature of the flesh or the nature of God? So as long as we order our behavior by the, by, by the nature of God, we will operate in faithfulness. When we don't operate in faithfulness, we are not ordering our behavior by the nature of God. We are following another nature. And that nature will be a contrary nature. Even though we're telling ourselves, well, we did it right. We were okay. Don't matter. You got to do things according to God's nature, according to God's definition of faithfulness and walk in it that way, whether you like it or not. Otherwise, you're walking in a contrary nature and it's not going to be good for you. Now, look what he goes on here about the fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. We've talked about this over and over again. We'll go over it again in case you haven't been here for a bit. But when it talks about here in verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is, is that plural or singular? The fruit of the Spirit is. It is singular. It Wouldn't this read better that the fruits of the Spirit are? But if you go back to the Greek, the Greek, it is translated correctly. The fruit of the Spirit is. Well, therefore, the fruit of the Spirit can't be love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, so forth, because that would be fruits. So if the fruit of the Spirit is, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. All Everything else comes out of love. Faithfulness comes out of love. Gentleness comes out of love. Peace, joy, they all come out of love. When you stop walking in the nature of love, you stop walking in these other things. The fruit of the Spirit is love. But as you walk in this, you will also see that perseverance, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all these things will come out because I'm walking in God's love. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. And those who are Christ, those who are Christ's, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Past, present, or future. Past, have. But how many can contend right now that that's not quite all the way dead in you? The flesh nature, its passions and desires, well, it's, it's still around a bit. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So every time that these passions and desires rise up for the works of the flesh, which is idolatry, 
sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, verse before it, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, all these things are works of the flesh. We've got to get them out. We can't keep order in our behavior. We have been killed to that and our desires for those things have also been crucified. But if I continue to walk in them, do I not stir up those passions and desires for those things? So we've got to get our behavior completely over into the area of the Spirit. But here's what I want us to focus on today is the fruits that we looked at, the fruit of the Spirit here. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And all the things that come off of that, that fruit, joy, peace, long-suffering. We talked last week about how you can lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. But here in this life, we ought to be able to have access to it. That some people operate in certain areas of the gifts of the Spirit. Some people seem to have certain godly characteristics more at home in their life. Some people are just more at peace. Some people seem to walk in the faith life easier. Some folks find believing God, trusting in God easier than others. Others walk in greater revelation. All these different things we can walk in of the nature of God, but not all of us seem to walk in all of them because we haven't laid up those treasures yet. The people who walk in greater revelation are people that have put themselves, attended themselves to understanding the revelation of, of heaven and have laid up for themselves treasures in heaven in that area. People who walk in greater peace and greater joy have focused about studying the nature of God, finding out the things of God in that area. If you're not walking in enough joy, you've got to lay up more treasure for yourself in that because you can access it here in this life. That's why some people walk in, in these things. When you operate in the gift of the Spirit, don't you access the things of God? Don't you access heaven and bring it down here on earth? Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's where we need to do it. If I lay up for myself treasures in heaven, my treasure is there, my heart is there. If I lay up for myself treasures down here, it's not going to help so much. So the more that I do for God, for people, the more I'm laying up treasures down here. I got to do what I do for God, for God. And do what I do for God to people, to others. That's who we do it to. Keep that focus. Keep that in mind. Don't let people get in the way of you being faithful. Don't let people get in the way of you walking in an area of the, of the Spirit. Don't let places, don't let things, don't let anything stop you. Nothing has to stop you. But we want to have these, these gifts and these things at, at work in our life. Gentleness, long-suffering, kindness, goodness. That if I want to walk into more of those i got to walk in the more of God. You feel like this in your, your outline. To walk in the first is the, the first part, the, the works of the flesh. To walk in the first is to pull from your treasure on earth. If you've built up treasure on earth, you're going to pull from treasures on earth. You're going to walk in the flesh. To walk in the second is to pull from your treasure in heaven. And those who are, who are Christ have crucified. Have crucified the flesh. You have crucified it. It is already done. It is gone. We've got to walk that way. We've got to keep going that way. Well, let me jump, jump ahead on you a little bit. When we look in the Word of God, we will notice something about some people. When we see Paul, Paul walked in what way? Where did he order his behavior at when he was going around killing Christians? He walked in the flesh, right? He was going against God. He was going against the nature of God. 
Jesus even came down and appeared to him. It says, Paul, why are you, Saul, why are you kicking against the goats? Why are you going against the grain? Why are you going against my nature? He didn't know that he was doing that, but he was. He thought he was going after God. How long did it take Paul to change? It wasn't long, was it? He didn't keep on falling back in the day of killing Christians. He walked away from it. He stopped killing Christians instantly. He stopped persecuting the church. He started learning the gospel of Jesus Christ and teaching it. You look at, at uh, Peter. Peter was up, he's down, he's up, he's down. He's rebuking Christ. He's not getting the message. And then all of a sudden, he changes. He's raising people from the dead. Walking by people with shadows touching them and they're raising up. Preaching to people and 5,000 people get born again. Standing up against opposition. Hey, it's a whole different Peter. How did he change so quick? John's over there. He's ready to call fire down on anybody who uh, didn't uh, accept them real well. And now he became the disciple of love. But we see a quick change in him as well. Moses rebelled against God, rebelled against God, went away from God, went away from God, wasn't going to follow after the call that God had on his life. The burning bush started to turn, but he didn't quite turn yet. He was still having some, some struggles with, with all that. Then all of a sudden, he changed. After the first plague, we, those who were around, we studied it out. We saw a marked change in Moses after the first plague. We've always thought the change had to be so gradual. You can stop ordering your behavior in the flesh and begin to order your behavior in the spirit and notice drastic changes in your life. Quick ones too. Because you're not feeding those old passions and desires that you have been crucified to. You're going after something else. You will find a lot more faithfulness, a lot more goodness, a lot more long-suffering, a lot more kindness, a lot more joy, a lot more peace. And the love of God will be walking and working in your life day after day after day. It won't be such an effort to love people. It won't be such an effort to be patient with people because the love of God's in you. And you're ordering your, ordering your behavior in this sphere. You've done it so much that to get outside of that sphere feels funny. It feels like taking a shower with your socks on. You know, something's just not right. That's not the way you're supposed to do it. It just It's out of, out of the ordinary. This isn't quite right. It's like going to a restaurant and eating with chopsticks if you're used to knife and fork. Or vice versa if you're used to chopsticks. And we went out there once in a while. You all know once, once twice a year I go out to a Chinese place and <laughs> keep the family happy. Then they had the chopsticks out there and you can go ahead and pick them up. I, we were watching one time we were over there and there's this uh, uh, couple and the, the lady... She was good with them. I was watching. I just was amazed at what she was able to accomplish with a a pair of chopsticks. Um, I I wouldn't be. I'd still be hungry if I was over there. That wasn't going to be working for me. But boy, she just able to pick out stuff and pick up, do this and do that, and was doing really, really well. Well, whatever you're used to, you do something else, and it's just not right. If you're used to writing with your right hand, you write with your left hand. How does that feel? If you write with your left hand, you go to your right hand. How does that feel? If you're right-handed and you pick up a baseball bat and stand in the batter's box left-handed, does that feel right? Pick up the ball and you throw it with your left hand instead of your right hand or your right hand instead of your left hand. Doesn't it feel odd? You're going against the nature. God wants you to be so at home with His nature, with walking in the love of God, with having His peace, His joy, His gentleness, His long-suffering, all these things walking in you that whenever you step out of it, it feels funny. This isn't right. 
you can get so much into the nature of God that when truth is spoken without even doing any research on it down in your spirit, you, you, this, is, this is where I've been walking. This is, I've, I've been around here. This is right. And then somebody else come along and, and bring false doctrine in. And you can pick it up just like that. Because this is a different sphere. This is in the same area. I'm, they're getting me to walk outside. No, no, it's not right. Just because of that sphere. Get that comfortable walking in the things of God. That's how you need to be. Turn over, if you would, over in your, your Bibles to Jeremiah. We're going to be over in chapter 7 and chapter 6. Let me read, just read a little bit from chapter 6 here first. Verse 24. We have heard the report of it. Our hands grow feeble. Anguish has taken hold of us. Pain as of a woman in labor. Do not go out into the field nor walk by the way because of the sword of the enemy. Fear is on every side. This is uh, Jeremiah's word to the people and their reaction. What he's prophesying is their reaction to it. O daughter of my people, dress in sackcloth and roll about in ashes. Make mourning as for an only son. Most bitter lamentation. For the plunder will suddenly come upon us. Go back up to verse 24. For we have heard the report of it. Our hands grow feeble. Anguish has taken hold of us. Is anguish part of the nature of God? Is anguish a place that we should be ordering our behavior? Pain as of a woman in labor. Do not go out into the field nor walk by the way because of the sword of the enemy. Fear is on every side. Is fear part of the nature of God? If we are feeling fear, are we walking, ordering our behavior within the realm of the nature of God? So whenever we walk into the area of anguish, whenever we walk into the area of fear, it should feel funny. Something should rise up on the inside of it. We are not home. This isn't right. I shouldn't be here. This isn't the right place. And we should instantly know to get out of that. But what happens to us? The old passions, the old nature gets all stirred up. And fear is acceptable in a walk of the flesh. Anguish is acceptable in the walk of the flesh. And I go ahead and walk in it. And I well, this is just normal. I hear all this stuff going on about the economy. This is just normal. I hear that what the doctor said. Well, it's just normal that I would be afraid that he's saying I might have cancer. It's just normal that he's saying that I might be a chronic condition and be around the rest of my life. And that's, I should normally be afraid. I should have some anguish. No, that's in the old way. The new way is totally contrary to that. If you order and walk your, keep your behavior around in the area of the sphere of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, having the love of God dominate you so much to joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, all these things just begin to flow out of you. If that's what's going on. If that's what continues to happen, that's where you order your behavior. As soon as fear comes in, you say, no, no, no. As soon as anguish comes in, no, this is wrong. As soon as doubt works its way in. No, this isn't right. As soon as the thought to not trust God, to not believe God, to not accept something in the Word of God. As soon as any of that comes up, no, 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 I'm not taking this. That's where we need to be at. In chapter 7, verse 1, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord. All you of Judah who enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Do not trust in these lying words, saying the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. 
For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, or walk after other gods to your hurt, then I will cause you to dwell in this place in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. He repeats that again. You trust in lying words. You see, when lying words come up, we should instantly, because they are not of the sphere with which we work, with which we walk, with which we live, with which we order our steps. Lying words come along and, no, that's not right. That isn't, no, that's not right. Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know, and then come in and stand before me in this house which is called by my name and say, We are delivered to do all these abominations? Has this house which is called by my name become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I have seen it, says the Lord. What will you steal, murder? Verse 9, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal. People were doing this back then. Not that they would do this today, right? People don't go out there and steal. People don't go out there and murder, commit adultery, swear falsely. How many of you have ever said, oh, I'm going to get that done? Didn't do it. Would that be swearing falsely? And then they walk on into the house of God and worship God like everything is good. Like God has redeemed them to go out there and live this way. No, don't be doing that. Father God, you have redeemed me from the curse of the law. You have redeemed me from that flesh nature. I love the truth. Do you know that the way that you will uncover false, falseness, false truth is to love the truth? To love the truth? If you fall in love with the truth, if you continually love the truth, then lies will have no part in you. In you and you'll be able to, to distinguish them. You'll be able to hear someone lying from far away. You'll just know it. Nope, they're lying. Now you'll still love them. Then you still want to minister to them. You still help them because the love of God's all over you. But nope, they're lying. They're lying. It's not right. But you've got to love that. But you have to f- totally fall in love with the truth. Totally fall in love with the truth. How many times have we been tempted to not tell the truth about something? We did something. We went after something. We pursued something and somebody says, did you do that? Nope. Not me. We lie about it. I'm not loving the truth when I do that. I've got to totally fall in love with the truth. When I totally fall in love with the truth and I decide I will not bear false witness, I will not say what is not right. I will say what is true. I will say what is right. I will fall in love with the truth. Then whenever anything false, your spirit is so used to walking in that area of God in the truth of God, that as soon as anything contrary to the truth comes out, you'll know it. you know. Wouldn't it be nice if everybody who's ever come into your life, you could tell if they were lying to you? Wouldn't that have helped you? How many got into some trouble because somebody told you something and you believed them? And it turned out it wasn't true. Well, you see, you don't have to know everything. In the same way that God gives us revelation about the Word. In the same way that God gives us revelation about other people. To help them, to pray for them. In the same way that God does all that, He can give you revelation on truth. You can be sitting there listening to somebody and somebody telling you something and on the inside of you, what happens? Lying. It's not right. 
That's not truth. That's false. Now you still operate in love towards them? Because that's what's coming out of you. That's the area that you're, you're working in. You got peace, joy, long suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness. All this stuff is just, F, just flowing out of you. So you don't get out and find out, you're lying! You don't need to do that. You just know, well, you're lying. You may try and pull them aside and say, you know, you're not quite representing the truth there, are you? What do you mean I'm not representing the truth? Well, I don't know exactly what it is, but I just know in my spirit, I know you're not telling the truth on this. And they'll probably try and defend themselves a little bit and say, well, all right, if you want to go that way, go ahead. But down in my spirit, I know you're not telling the truth. And have confidence in it. Boy, wouldn't it help us out to have that kind of confidence. Well, every time that you walk and you order your behavior outside of this realm, you are affecting your life in the area of faithfulness. You are affecting your life in the area of love. You're affecting your life in the area of peace, joy, long stuff, all those other things. You are affecting your life in that. Faithfulness does not come because we just decide, I am going to be faithful. Faithfulness comes because we have totally ordered our life in the area of God. We have totally ordered our life by the love of God. That everything that we do is for love of other people, not love for ourselves. Love for God, love for others. We love God first and foremost, and we love others next. And we just order our life in that way. And when we do that, the nature of God begins to come in and overtake you. And love like you've never known it. Joy like you've never known it. Peace like you've never known it. Long-suffering. This is not a big deal. This is not a problem. We just keep on going. You just keep going back to God. God, do we want me to continue? God says, yeah, continue. All right. And you just keep going. It's not a battle anymore. And then all of a sudden, God says, no, quit it. Cut it out now. No more. And you listen. But false words, lying words, don't accept them. Don't bring them into you. Lying words are going to hold you back. You, you don't need to accept them. You need to, you need to find out what they are at the outset. As soon as they come in, that's lying words. The Spirit of God tells me, that's lying words. That's not stuff that's going to help me out. Well, he talked about here in Jeremiah, he talked about fear. He talked about lying words. These things are going to hold you back. Do not let fear grab hold of you. Don't order your behavior by, by the area of fear. You do not need to be fearful. Just listen to the Spirit. How many have ever not done something because you thought, hmm, I don't know, I'm afraid if I do that, this might happen. You've ordered your behavior because of fear. Don't do it. If you're not sure, go to God. God, should I do that? God says, nope. All right. And then when you say, why didn't you do that? You didn't say, well, I was afraid. Well, I thought maybe this might. Well, I was concerned that it might go this way. No, you don't do that. Why did you not do it? Because God said, isn't that a whole lot better? Isn't that a much different way of ordering your behavior? God said it. I sought after God in my spirit. He said not to do it. He said not to go that way. So I didn't go that way. But we've got to listen to it. God has told you in His Word, be anxious for almost nothing. Be anxious for what? Be anxious for nothing. How many have seen that anxiety has tried to take hold of you this week, last week, the week before? And get worried. Get anxious about something. But the Word of God says, be anxious for nothing. So there is nothing that I am to be anxious for. So if I allow anxiety to come in, what nature, what area am I ordering my life by? 
I'm going by the flesh. If I continually walk in the flesh, I am going to become very well acquainted with the things of the flesh. I don't need that. I don't need to walk according to the flesh, to the things of the flesh. Stop ordering your behavior around those things. Get out of it. As soon as anxiety comes, you say, wait, that's contrary to my nature. That's not the way that I want to go. That's not the way I want to... No, I don't do things that way anymore. And you get out of the, out of the anxiety. As soon as fear begins to come down, and you begin to, well, I don't want to do that. I'm afraid. This, well, this might have, if I do that, this might. Don't do things out of, don't not do things out of fear. Don't not do things out of anxiety. And certainly don't do things because lying words came in. Someone says, well, it'll work out good for you. This and this will happen. And this and this and this will go. And it'll be this way. Don't listen to it. The more that you order your behavior by lying words, folks, it is so much easier to be faithful to stuff. Because, you are able to make commitments based on truth. Wouldn't it have been easier for Joshua if he had known that these folks had lying words and to have been faithful to the words that he said had he known that they were lying? But he found it difficult to be faithful to those things. He didn't recognize the lie. Recognize the lie that's in there. Find that out. But Father God, I am going to live my life faithfully. I'm going to walk in the area of faithfulness. I am going to walk in the area of love. I'm going to walk in the area of peace. I'm going to walk in the area of joy. So you just take those, that list there, that verse out of, verse 16 out of Galatians, and you just put all those characteristics up there on your refrigerator. Am I walking according to love? Am I walking to according to joy? Gentleness, long-suffering, faithfulness. As soon as I find my behavior outside of that scope, I am practicing walking in the flesh. I will become more adept into that. And if I continue to practice to walk in the flesh, I will continue to think that my level of faithfulness is just fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just fine. My wife and I were listening to a tape series uh, this week by uh, Brother Keith. Brother Keith Moore. He's talking about discipleship. And he says there are a whole lot of people who make their standard. They have said their standard. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a disciple of God and I'm going to live this way. And they've said their standard. And it's going over the fact that it don't matter what your standard is. It matters what God's standard is. God is the master. He is the trainer. He is the one that we follow after. If we are going to set a standard, it has to be His. We have to live by His standard. I think he was using the example of the uh, karate stuff and the martial arts that you, that you have that person that's over you. Who sets the standard? Do you come up there as a student and say, all right, I'm going to live up to this standard. And that guy who's over you says, well, then you're not mine. My student, get out of here. No, he sets the standard for you. She sets the standard for you. Whoever it is that you put over you, they set the standard. We are servants of God. God has set a standard. It don't matter if you like it. It don't matter if you think you can cut it. That's the standard. Live up to it. This is what God has said. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Then after that we have joy. Peace. Long-suffering. Faithfulness. Goodness. Gentleness. Meekness. All these things. Walk according to this. This is what our, our, our characteristics should be like. Do we have those kind of characteristics going on? Or are we seeing ourselves slip into the area of fear, anguish, 
susceptible to lying words. False doctrine. Look at that list that he gave of the works of the flesh. Heresies was one of those things that was in there. Heresies will hold you back. They will pull you down. But you can be faith, you can be more faithful than you ever thought you could. You do not have to keep putting out all this effort. I've got to be more. Oh, I got to. I, I, I got to do this. And I got to do that. I got to do this. Just lean on the Spirit. The Spirit of God leads you in an area of faithfulness. He leads you in an area of peace. He leads you in an area of love. He leads you in an area of meekness and gentleness and goodness. This is where He leads you. This is where He orders your behavior. Follow after that. Don't get into selfish ambition. Don't get into selfish ways. Don't get into, well, this is the way I've always done it. This is what I'm comfortable in doing. This is what I'm willing to, to bring. It don't matter. God has a standard. What has God said He wants you to do? How faithful does God want you to be? How loving does God want you to be? How peace-making does God want you to be? How gentle? What is it that God wants you to be at? That's where we have to, to stand in. Spirit-filled believers should recognize fear for what it is and not be deceived by it. Fear will deceive you. Don't let it, don't let it do that. They should recognize lying words instantly. As a believer, you should recognize lying words instantly. We went over the guys who changed, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven and use what you have. Use what you have. If I want my heart to be over that side, I gotta know my treasure is over that side. I gotta know that there is gentleness, there is faithfulness, there is all kinds of characteristics of God that are born out of His fruit of love. There's all kinds of power gifts, there's all kinds of, of, of gifts that minister, gifts that help. And these can be going on in my life. These can I can be operating in these things. I can tap into the very throne room of God, grab hold of these things because God has made them available to me and bring them down here to people on earth. But I must order my behavior in that realm, in that sphere. All the time. When you wake up in the morning, how many folks have, have given into the lie? I'm just grumpy in the morning. That's a lie. God is not grumpy in the morning. If you are grumpy in the morning, it is because you have allowed something that is contrary to the nature of God to take root in your life. And the Word of God has said, Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. Stand fast in it. Wake up in the morning and say, I am not grumpy in the morning. I am not going to give in that way. I am not going to give room for my flesh. I am not grumpy in the morning. How many think, well, I'm just mean because I'm tired. Don't mess with me right now. I'm tired. When I get tired, I get mean. Is, does God get mean when He gets tired? Does God get mean? <laughs> God probably doesn't get tired either, but <laughs> that's not an aspect, that's not a nature of God. You're not walking in the sphere, ordering your behavior in that area of God. How many get frustrated with people and answer short? Not loving. Now, God sometimes answers firm, but He didn't get sarcastic and short because He was getting frustrated with people. He let them know. You blew it. You did it. This is the consequences of it. Whenever we are walking and we allow a behavior in our life that is contrary to the nature of God, we are setting ourselves in for a walk of the flesh. Galatians 5 verse 1. Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. You have been set free from those things. I am free to be faithful. Whatever it is I say, I will do. 
Whatever it is God has said I should do, I will do. Whatever God has commanded, I will obey. I will be faithful. I will be faithful to the end. I will not allow these other behaviors that are contrary to the nature of God be part of my life anymore. But I will stand up against them. I will love the unlovable. I will help those who seem to continually need it. I will not be short because I'm frustrated. I will not be hateful because it's the morning. I will walk according to the way that God has. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the things that You help us to understand. That this week, Father, as we order our behavior in the realm of the Spirit, You help us. You help us to see when we have ordered our behavior in the area of the flesh. We're not walking in the way of the Spirit. We're getting used to ordering our behavior there and that becomes natural. But we don't want it to become natural. We want Your ways to become natural. We looked at before. Fountain cannot give both good and bad water. It shouldn't do that. That's, that's against nature. It's not natural for it to do that. We shouldn't order our behavior in the realm of the flesh and then order our behavior in the realm of the spirit and then order our behavior in the realm of the flesh and think everything's going to be normal. It's not. That is not a normal way to live. And we need to walk according to your ways. Father, we thank you for it. Thank you for the help that you give us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you all stand up with me?